0: Well, I'm so uh, excited about the conversation we're about to have. Uh, we are recording this uh, w- the week after the open AI situation, fracas, uh, disagreement, prom school night, fallout. Uh, I don't know what it was, but it certainly made the headlines. And uh, my guest today is somebody who uh, I think uh, really can talk to us Uh, in some great detail about that company. She is Karen Howe, contributing writer at The Atlantic. She has been uh, reporting on uh, the AI uh, beat for several years. uh, And unlike many journalists working in the field, she is also an MIT graduate, so she can bring her math and engineering chops to bear. She's also working on a book about AI, which we will dig into. Um, Karen, thank you for breaking your Thanksgiving holiday to speak to me.
1: Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting to be here.
0: Well, I mean, you must have had the week uh, the, the, from, from, I can't even imagine where, because I think you were over in Hong Kong uh, when the the news that Sam Altman had been fired by the board broke. You've then probably been recording, uh, reporting 24 hours a day and now you're in New York. But uh, how did you find out about it? And what was your reaction?
1: So I'd actually come from Hong Kong to DC the week that the news broke. And I was actually in the middle of a um, conversation with a former OpenAI contractor when the news broke. And both of us had our phones muted. So we were just talking to each other, talking. And then I just checked my phone very briefly to to check on the time. And I saw 20 missing notifications. (laughs) And I was like hold on i think something is happening and then i realized what had happened i looked at him and went sam altman has been fired and both of us were like holy crap like, like we were wow. so it was so surreal because we had been talking about open ai we'd been talking about the leadership and about like work that had been done it, it was it was just really really wild um and i did not expect it at all um, a lot of people have sort of asked me this because subsequently I kind of pulled together a bunch of the reporting that I'd been doing for the book into a piece for the Atlantic and they were like but your piece had so much clarity and I was like yeah this is, like hindsight is 2020
0: <laughs> right right I'm so able you to
1: yeah. yeah
0: well um, we have the benefit uh, of having you here because actually that book that you're writing about AI is not about AI in general you have a you have a focus right which is this very interesting organization OpenAI
1: it is um it, it 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 does focus a lot on open AI it's not I wouldn't say that it is a hundred percent an open AI book but it talks a lot about the AI industry um, its direction its impacts and because open AI is such an important part of that story and has become the organization setting the pace and direction of AI development it is OpenAI is the main character, basically, um, but it tries to extend far beyond just the organization itself to also looking at broadly um, this kind of central question of how do we develop AI that better[s] humanity, which is kind of based on OpenAI's mission. It's sort of examining its its mission and looking at the ground at like how do you literally do this.
0: So, so let's that's your context, right? You've spent years reporting. You've got this this book. Uh, that that looks at that question and you get these 20 notifications uh you're you're 30 minutes late to the news now uh and you'll think holy and every expletive is running through your brain um <laughs> what 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 do you what is what is your first response your first thinking your first rationalization of of what is uh going on
1: my first thought was The board statement is very, it sounds very intense, right? That like, it sounds like Altman has been lying to the board, that he's duplicitous. Um, And what's interesting is in interviews that I've had um, for the book, Altman is a very, he is a very polarizing character. There are people that find him, um, you know, that... Exactly how the boards sort are of described it, and there are people who really, really trust him and think that he is one of the best leaders of our generation. So, um, that that my first thought was sort of what did he do to make the board think that way? And as the news started rolling out, my first thought was, uh, uh, or my tenth thought <laughs> was, um, this seems to be like a power struggle between the ideologies that have been in opening eye for a long time. Um, and this isn't the first time that there's been kind of an outburst, um, that has kind of bubbled up to public knowledge. Um, there have been two other instances in which a power struggle between ideologies has created a rift. The first one was when Elon Musk, one, one of the co-founders of the company left and took all of his money with him. Um, And the second one was the open AI-anthropic split, or how people have described it to me as the divorce. The divorce, right. (laughs) Where it was very similar, like ideological struggle. Um, And so then I was thinking, could I, is there, if I go back through my notes, because I hadn't, you know, I'd been been gathering like all of these interviews and um, I didn't remember all the details. I was like, if I go back through my notes and just look at the last year, um can i find sort of some kind of context for understanding what happened in this particular moment
0: I, I mean it is it is interesting that we do seem to be coming back to this this ideological uh d- divide which was also the way that i had had analyzed it in that in those those first few days and, and maybe it's worth sort of saying something um uh, uh, about that uh when OpenAI was was founded, it was a nonprofit which had this nonprofit board. Uh, it had this mission to, to develop AI for the benefit of humanity. I mean, Silicon Valley loves its lofty goals, uh, and it even had in the statement that uh, of the Charter Foundation that if another group was developing AI faster and better and more capably than OpenAI, OpenAI wouldn't compete. Right. But would turn all its resources to helping to develop uh, safe, um, safe AI. Now, now this is kind kind of interesting because this is happening, I guess, back in 2015. And I think at that time, the, the this notion of safe and unsafe AI, um, the, the the bit that had really captured everyone's imagination was this question of superintelligence that would turn us all into paperclips, right? There was Nick Bostrom's book a couple of years ago, and many of the people who were involved in the founding of OpenAI were at that Asilomar conference uh, where certain principles were um, were defined and it was really a conference that was extremely long term sort of cosmological style risks mm-hmm. of what might happen to um, to humanity under the uh, as we go through this sort of existing knowledge knowledge frontier so i I'm curious is, is to what extent do you think that that is the sort of seed corn kernel of intellectual consensus that, that was, was, you know, the the, the backdrop for the founding of, of this organization?
1: Consensus is sort of a hard word because I think um, each of the co-founders at OpenAI probably had different ideas and ideologies of why they were joining the organization, but certainly one of them was this kind of, as you said, like cosmological, like existential risk type um, ideology of if, if, if AI development, if we reach super intelligence and we didn't actually think through, um, things well during its development, then, you know, it's going to be catastrophic. It's going to be, uh, it's going to destroy humanity. Um, and, but I wouldn't necessarily, I, I wouldn't say that it's interesting. Sam Altman, um, he also co-founded OpenAI in part at the time, saying this publicly, um, like he he was making the rounds with Elon Musk saying, you know, AI could be dangerous and we do want to guide it carefully. But I don't actually think that he himself is, you know, a, a, an, an intense doomer, so to speak. Um, he I think he pro- Based on, you know, my own understanding, like, I would say he's probably, like, middle of the road. Like, he acknowledges that there's probably um, some existential risks, but that's, like, not really his main concern or his fixation in the same way that Doomer sort of, like, really fixate and obsess over this particular fear. Um, and so, and then, of course, there were a whole range of other researchers that were attracted to OpenAI that I think ran the gamut some just wanted to do really cool research and were given the money to do so and that's what attracted them you know so um that it was certainly a backdrop it i, I don't know how pervasive it was among the actual people um, but over time, because of this mythology, it certainly attracted many more people within to the organization that did align with this kind of Doomer ideology. And um, that Doomer ideology has persisted um, and led to these these ideological struggles that we're talking about.